2023 Interior Environment and Related Agencies Bill. Very pleased to be joined here today by Congressman David Joyce, the ranking member. I also want to welcome the full committee chair, Ms. DeLauro, and all of the subcommittee members. This is a hybrid markup, so we need to address a few housekeeping matters. For the members joining remotely, once you start speaking, there's a slight delay before you are displayed on the main screen. Speaking into the microphone activates the camera displaying the speaker on the main screen. Do not stop your remarks if you do not immediately see the screen switch. If the screen does not change after several seconds, please make sure you are muted. To minimize background noise and ensure, correct, and ensure the correct speaker is being displayed, we ask that you remain on mute unless you have sought recognition. The chair or an individual designated by the chair may mute participants' microphones when they are not under recognition to eliminate inadvertent background noise. Members who are virtual are responsible for muting and unmuting themselves. If you notice when you are recognized that you have not unmuted yourself, I will ask you if you would like the staff to unmute you. If you indicate approval by nodding, staff will unmute your microphone. Finally, House rules require me to remind you that we have set up an email address to which members can send anything they wish to submit in writing. That email address has been provided in advance to your staff. I would remind all members that they must verbally request unanimous consent out loud, separately from sending their document or written UC request to the email address. Okay, that accomplished. I would like to move to my opening statement. For fiscal year 2023, the subcommittee is recommending a total of $44.8 billion for the Interior Environment and Related Agencies Bill. This is an increase of $6.8 billion over last year's enacted level, which is an 18% increase. Last year, we made, an un, we made unprecedented investments to fight the climate crisis, return science as the foundation for decision-making, dedicate the highest level of federal funding to the arts and humanities ever, and continue our commitment to tribal nations. I am pleased that this bill will continue to build on those successes. First and foremost, this is a climate bill. I believe that through the investments made in this bill, our country will be better positioned to confront the climate crisis. Just weeks ago, we witnessed Yellowstone, America's first national park, experience devastating flooding that triggered mudslides, destroying roads and infrastructure, and resulting in its emergency closure. The extent of the damage is still unknown, but it is certain that it will take years to rebuild. This tragedy underscored how vulnerable our ecosystems and species are to the impacts of climate change. That is why the investments in this bill, such as the 15% increase for the land management agencies, will be meaningful for climate adaption and resiliency efforts on our public lands. The bill also invests in renewable energy, both on and offshore, to provide opportunities for growth in this sector, an essential step towards achieving conventional energy independence. And we make historic investments for science and environmental protection. Reducing greenhouse gas emissions is a critical component of climate, combating climate change, and the bill includes the funding necessary to build a strong EPA. In addition to these critical investments to protect our natural resources, the bill also includes strong funding for cultural resources by fostering the arts and humanities. The bill provides $414 million for both the National Endowment for the Arts and the National Endowment for the Humanities. These funds benefit all of our districts and are a positive tool for economic development, education, and community building. 
And finally, this bill supports Native American families by investing in strong and resilient Indian country, including through education and healthcare programs. The administration proposed to shift Indian Health Service accounts to mandatory funding in fiscal year 2023 and remove all discretionary funding from the Interior Bill. This shift requires legislative action by the authorizing committee, the House Committee on Natural Resources. In the absence of that legislation, I have included discretionary funding in this bill to ensure that there is no risk of a disruption in health care while that process is underway. This is a strong bill. Through its investments, the Interior Bill takes a whole-of-government approach to securing a safe and habitable world for future generations. I urge my colleagues to support, and now let me turn to my colleague, the Ranking Member from Ohio, for any remarks he would like to make. Mr. Joyce. Thank you for yielding, Madam Chair. Congratulations on reaching this important milestone in the fiscal year 2023 process for the Interior, Environment, and Related Agencies Appropriations Bill. I appreciate the hard work it has taken to get us here. I want to thank you for making a sincere effort to accommodate Republican requests in this bill and for the way you've continued to lead this subcommittee this year. You've been a fair leader who is consistently open to communication and collaboration. I'm grateful for the opportunity to continue to work beside you in your role as chair. Recognize your willingness to reach across the aisle to find solutions. I'm not surprised that the FY23 interior bill before us today includes many priorities and important programs that we, and our constituents can agree on. The bill invests in programs that will help conserve and protect our nation's most critical natural, cultural, and environmental resources. It fully funds payment in lieu of taxes, dedicates resources to help mitigate catastrophic wildfires, and increases support for our national parks, refuge, and uh, public lands. The bill will also help address our nation's aging water infrastructure and remediate Superfund sites to spur economic growth, create jobs, and revitalize communities across the country. Notably, the bill also increases the federal commitment to honor our treaties and trust responsibilities to American Indians and Alaska Natives, a longstanding bipartisan priority of this subcommittee. There's $12.6 billion, a 22% increase over last year to support healthcare, education, law enforcement, and other programs throughout Indian country. I also appreciate the bill includes a new provision protecting the sovereignty of tribal laws. And finally, for my home district in Ohio, which borders Lake Erie, I'm especially grateful that for the bill it provides increased resources for the Great Lakes Restoration Initiative. Building on prior year GLRI investments is critical to ensuring that the Great Lakes, which provide clean drinking water to 48 million Americans, support more than one and a half million jobs, and generate over $60 billion in wages each year, are safeguarded from longstanding threats like harmful algal blooms, water pollution, invasive species, and coastal erosion. I'm very proud that we continue to work across the aisle to treat the Great Lakes as the national treasure they are and ensure that they can be restored and protected for future generations. Unfortunately, while I'm supportive of many of the bipartisan components of the bill, I regret I'm unable to support the bill today. At nearly every hearing this year, I made it abundantly clear with the rising energy costs and unprecedented prices we are seeing at the gas pump, over $5 a gallon nationally, it is now more important than ever that we continue to support in all of the above domestic energy policy. I had hoped the bill would recognize the dire situation our country is in and the national polls calling on Congress to push back on the administration's hostility towards domestic conventional energy production. Unfortunately, that is not the case. The bill before us today eliminates longstanding bipartisan provisions already agreed to and instead adds new controversial policy writers that could weaken 
U.S. energy and mineral security by limiting development of these and other natural resources. These provisions would prevent and disincentivize domestic production, only making us more dependent on others, including our adversaries and others with questionable environmental and human rights policies. Simply put, these provisions undermine the American energy sector and fail to put American industries and businesses first. Utilizing all our domestic resources to increase production brings stability to the marketplace and to our energy grid, reduces energy costs, spurs economic growth, and creates good-paying jobs. More than that, it puts America back on the path to energy independence, which is imperative to our national security. We cannot lock America out from the domestic energy and minerals it needs for a smooth transition to a cleaner energy future. And in the meantime, let's not forget that our economy continues to depend on the all-of-the-above energy strategy. This is more apparent now than ever, and the added controversial provisions in this bill would undermine our ability to meet this demand and only cause energy prices to rise. In the fiscal year 22 conference negotiation just three months ago, similar riders were dropped from the final agreement, and the same must be done again before this bill can be signed into law. And finally, I have serious concerns about the level of funding proposed in the bill, given it provides a nearly $7 billion increase in discretionary spending, and many agencies receive double-digit percent increases. With inflation at a 40-year high, energy and food costs on the rise, and Americans across the country struggling to pay their bills, we must work to rein in federal spending. It is imperative that the federal government live within its means so that we do not saddle future generations with even more economic burden than what already awaits them. Despite these policies and spending concerns, I'd like to reiterate my thanks to Chair Pingree for the work she has done on many bipartisan priorities in this bill, and I want to thank the staff for their tireless efforts as well. I'm confident as we move forward, we'll continue to work with our subcommittee colleagues to address controversial policy riders, reach a bipartisan agreement on spending, unleash American energy, and get this country back on track. Thank you, Madam Chair. I yield back. Thank you, Mr. Joyce, and thank you for the um, good working partnership that we have on this bill and for reminding me that I forgot to thank the staff. So thank you to all of the staff for their hard work um, and the hard work that I know we're all going to do together in the next two weeks. So I'd like to recognize Congresswoman DeLauro, chair of the full committee, for her remarks. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you, Chair Pingree, and thank you, Ranking Member Joyce, uh, and the members of the Interior Environment Subcommittee. Uh, for your work on the bill before us. And let me also say thank you to the subcommittee staff uh, for your hard work in bringing us to this day. With the passage of the 2022 government funding package, we began to reverse decades of disinvestment in the programs that protect our air and water, our natural resources, and our biodiversity. Instead of catering to the biggest corporations and billionaires who often profit at the expense of our environment uh, and the middle class, um, uh, working families and the vulnerable, we are introducing a bill to protect our environment and the Americans who need us most. Bold and lasting solutions require continued and sustained investments, which is why I'm so proud that this bill builds on last year's great achievements. To confront the climate crisis, this bill follows the science and develops common sense standards to curb pollution with $11.5 billion for the Environmental Protection Agency. We are giving EPA the funds it needs to restore and preserve our bodies of water, to ensure safe drinking water and wastewater infrastructure, and to clean up contaminated lands. We are also increasing funding for renewable energy programs to grow production of clean energy sources. I'm particularly glad that the restoration of the Long Island Sound is funded at $40 million, an increase of $8.6 million. 
The Long Island Sound is one of Connecticut's most critical natural resources, and this is a project that my constituents rely on. As we invest in rebuilding and sustaining this critical infrastructure, we are turning this moment of great challenge and uncertainty into one of opportunity and unparalleled investments that will create American jobs and build a greener economy. We do not have to choose between supporting American workers and protecting our environment for the next generation. We can and we must do both. And as we fight climate change, we must simultaneously recognize what the past two years have further highlighted, that people of color and historically underserved communities are hardest hit when disasters of all kinds strike. We know this to be especially true of climate change, which is why we provide $301 million to advance environmental justice efforts that will address the unacceptable levels of pollution these communities face. I'm also glad that this bill invests in a strong and resilient Indian country, which will increase access to quality healthcare and education. With $8.1 billion, for the Indian Health Service, we are providing the funds needed for direct medical and public health services in tribal areas. We are also honoring the federal government's responsibilities to Native Americans with $4.4 billion for the Bureau of Indian Affairs, the Bureau of Education, and the Office of the Special Trustee. This matters, and it ensures we are upholding our commitment to care for those pushed aside for too long. At the same time, this bill invests in the cultural, historic, and biodiversity preservation so critical to our nation's past and our future. We are providing increased funds for the programs that protect our public lands, our parks, and forests, and revive the arts and the humanities with historic funding while ensuring they are preserved for generations to come. This bill creates a better and a greener economy. It confronts climate change. It supports Native American communities, and it fosters equity. I am so proud that taken together, the investments in this bill ensure a safer and a healthier planet as we revitalize our economy and preserve our cultural heritage. And with that, once again, let me say thank you to Chair Pingree and to Ranking Member Joyce for the work on this bill. I urge my colleagues to support it. Thank you very much, Madam Chair. Are there any other members wishing to make remarks? Uh, Chair McCollum. Thank you, Madam Chair, and to, and to you and um, Ranking Member Joyce, um, thank you for the work that you have done um, with the increases, significant increases, uh, to many of the programs uh, that we've worked on together in a nonpartisan fashion on this committee to uphold our treaty uh, obligations in health and education and, and criminal justice. And thank you for um, working on mandatory funding and some of the um, ideas that you have put together to protect uh, funding, but I've heard from some of the tribes, Madam Chair, um, about some concerns that, that they still have, some ideas that they might have, and I would like to discuss with, with you as we, as we move towards a full markup on that. And then I just have two other quick uh, comments. I'm glad we're fully funding the payment in lieu of taxes, but that does not belong in this bill. It wasn't originally in this bill. It was something that Ways and Means did is taxes. And uh, when, uh, when we now are, are upholding local government responsibilities for public lands, it takes away from uh, things that we could be doing this bill. And I'm going to 
use Yellowstone as an example. I haven't seen it yet, but eventually I'm going to get the Yellowstone report, the unfunded mandates in Yellowstone, and I want to compare it to the damage that has been done. Maybe, maybe there won't be anything in common, but I've got a feeling we're going to see a lot of resiliency could have been built into some of the structures and some of the trails and things that are happening in Yellowstone that are going to ha be happening with some of these other extreme weather events. We're having them in Voyagers National Park. And we are, we need to start looking seriously at, at working, Madam Chair, to get you more increases to do some of the, some of the infrastructure in our, in our, in our treasure uh, public, uh, public lands and public parks because it's only going to cost us more money in the long run not to fix the problem when we see it right away. So congratulations on a, on a great bill, and uh, I look forward to supporting it as we move forward. Thank you very much. Any other members wish to speak? Mr. Cartwright. Thank you, Madam Chair. I speak in support of this legislation and to thank you, Chair Pingree, for providing $3.5 million for the Wyoming Valley Sanitary Authority. It's an investment that will support infrastructure upgrades to improve the water quality of my district's rivers and streams by addressing stormwater runoff and this investment will prevent uh, the local taxpayers from having to pick up the tab uh, for these uh, commitments. I also want to thank the chairwoman for providing $3.5 million for Milford Borough in Pike County, Pennsylvania. It's funding that will go a long way towards supporting local efforts to replace roughly 11,000 linear feet of failing galvanized stormwater pipe that is long overdue for replacement. Uh, thank you, Chair Pingreen. I yield back. Thank you, Mr. Cartwright. Any other members wishing to speak? Are there any amendments? Then I would like to recognize Vice Chair McCollum for uh, a motion. Madam Chair, I move that the bill be favorably reported to the full committee. All those in favor of the motion say aye. 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 Those opposed say nay. No. The ayes have it. I ask unanimous consent that the staff be permitted to make technical and conforming changes to the measure just approved. Without objection, the subcommittee stands adjourned. Good job, my dear.